So we're back. We're back for episode two, Georgia. We're back. Welcome back, everyone. <laughs> Welcome to Cloud Dialogues, episode two. You made it back to London in one piece. I did. I did make it back to London. I did. And as with the time difference, what time is it in Melbourne, Matt? It's like six o'clock? 7 p.m. 7.15 p.m. Seven, okay. And it's nine here. So I am just waking up and you were just getting ready for bed. <laughs> well, yeah, soon. <laughs> I've had a full day at work, so, you know. Wind down with a podcast. <laughs> Today we are unlocking the cloud mindset. <laughs> what is the cloud mindset, Georgia? Well, I think the power of cloud is not just about the technology itself, but it's in the mindset of those who really lead that change. And as executives, as leaders, your role is obviously critical in steering the organization not only towards cloud adoption, but also more seamless cloud adoption, um, but also making sure that we can maximize the absolute potential of cloud. So today, what we're going to do is we're going to unravel those critical questions that every executive should be asking to ensure they are truly unlocking the value of cloud by cultivating the right mindset within their teams. Those questions, um, you know, cover different areas um, and different sort of key pillars, I guess. So we've got uh, strategic alignment, um, discovering how to align your cloud strategy with your business goals and leveraging the cloud's power to drive cost savings, scalability, et cetera, et cetera. We'll discuss KPIs that matter. Um, number two is risk assessment. So understanding the potential risks and security concerns of cloud migration uh, and learning strategies to mitigate them. So that, that's super important, especially in these days with all the, um, the news about different um, security incidents and all that and security breaches that are happening pretty much on a day, weekly basis, really. Um, and then there's cost management. So exploring the cost optimization strategies and budgeting and forecasting, things like that, um, and learning how your teams can break down cloud spending by business stream and workload. Uh, talents and skill development. So ensuring your organisation has the skills needed to thrive in a cloud-based world. So discovering why training in cloud fundamentals is not an, not just a, an option, but really you've got to um, use that as a whole part of your journey as a catalyst for innovation. And the last one is operational excellence. So witnessing the transformation of operational processes um, and cha changing the, um, you know, changing the way you, you do things to take full advantage around automation and DevOps practices. So those are the kind of the five main areas that we'll cover today. I think it's important to remember that the transition to cloud, it's not just a shift in technology, but it's really a strategic transformation. And the decisions that we make today as leaders will define our company's agility, efficiency, security, and innovation for years to come. So the first, I guess, the first um, area is around strategic alignment. So some of the questions you really, so as a, as a leader in an organisation, um, you need to ask your leadership, so your managers, your heads of, um, 
you got to make sure everyone's aligned. So you've got to ask them how aligned are they with all the specific business objectives and goals that, that you're doing as a business um, and ensuring that all the work they're doing aligns the lines to that work. So the question, I guess, is um, having discussions with your team around how cloud can enable um, cost savings and scalability and reliability, all those sorts of things are super, super important. I think as well as that, Matt, like having Chris, being crystal clear with your teams on what the priorities are and also being willing to be a really active participant in that conversation. Because one thing I see in organisations as they transition to cloud is competing priorities resulting in teams almost working against each other for extended periods of time because there is that lack of real transparency around what the priority is. And often that means being the decision maker, right? So that means jumping into these conversations and being like, well, you know, we may have to disagree and commit on some things, or we may have to go down a certain path, not being 100% sure that this is going to work, but at least this way we can allocate our resources to a particular outcome instead of having conflicting priorities. Yeah. Having clear, I guess, innovation, um, Priorities. So a lot of the time, these business goals will align to some sort of, you know, uh, business idea or innovation idea, and cloud allows you to build these things out quickly, uh, and then throw them away if they don't work. So you can experiment, do those innovations, and and throw them out if they're not working. So that could be one of your, you know, business objectives to. Um, have a clear direction on a specific, you know, improvement to a product or, or whatever, whatever it is, or improving a process or, or um, many different, or changing a UI to, to be more efficient or things like that. So um, testing out those innovation ideas uh, is super, um, is, is a, a way that a lot of organisations start using cloud. Totally. And um, I think when it comes to as like around the testing out ideas quickly, one thing that I, I like and I've seen from a couple of different leaders that I've worked with in the past is, you know, when they get to that performance review time, one of the things that they expect their teams to produce is something that failed over the last, you know, six, 12 months. Because I think if we're not identifying anything that failed or anything that didn't work in our innovation efforts, then what are we doing? Are we learning anything? You gotta. Well, this is gotta, it. This is it. Yeah. Like often you see this, you know, reel of or this is all the successes that we had over the last six, 12 months. But if we're not willing to be transparent about the failures, then are we truly innovating? I, I think it is, a, is an important question. Um, and, and making that acceptable is really important as well. Like, let's be honest about things that didn't work, I, I think is a really great strategy and effective tool that I've seen leaders use. And it also helps their teams to be more honest about where there are issues, um, like, you know, conflicting priorities and that 
end up with us working against each other. It's like, well, if we can be really honest and transparent about that, we can resolve these issues a lot more quickly and efficiently. Yeah, and that um, showcasing those, well, failures, but also successes, showcasing both of them and not hiding the failures away is super, super important because everyone learns from that and improves and uh, whatever it is that caused the particular failure, as long as you, as long as you have learnt from it and don't repeat that same mistake, then you're making progress. Absolutely. Um, modern, so the other, the other area, another, another example, business goal, could be uh, wanting to modernise your applications. You mm-hmm. might have a lot of, you know, applications that have been built so many years ago yeah older technologies older dotnet versions older operating systems um, you're probably running out of uh, patching um, you're probably patching them or you've run out of patches or microsoft aren't giving you patches anymore for your particular operating system so being able to leverage the cloud to be able to do that which usually involves some sort of migration up front so you'll probably migrate the app first to get it into the new environment, which might be a, yep. a, a re-platform with a new operating system and a new yep. sort of modern database. And then you can sort of rebuild that app gradually, piece by piece. Um, and then that's also another another good way to, um, you know, have a strategic objective around that. And, and then that way you'll, we'll talk about security in a minute, but that'll help your security posture incredibly as well because you'll be up to date on all the um, the libraries and, and all the other components that make up that application. Yeah, and I think we, with relation to like things like modernization and migration, having more enterprise-wide targets for your various leaders can be really helpful in achieving those outcomes. Because obviously, and I know we spoke about, we spoke a little bit about this in episode one, you know, the first time that a lot of executives will engage with cloud is when they get that knock on the door about an application or uh, something that they're using that needs to be migrated. And unless they are, you know, supportive in that effort, it can make it really difficult for the teams trying to conduct the migrations, whether it's, you know, a a third party, like whether it's one of your big consulting companies or whatever whatever the migration machine looks like, having that level of cooperation is super critical. Um, Otherwise it just wastes time and money, right? Um, And I think money being like a critical factor and something that really goes unseen, especially when you're perhaps using consultants to help bring in that knowledge is the amount of money that gets spent going spinning our wheels when trying to deal with, you know, (laughs) client side. Yes. teams that are just not kind of understanding of the goal. Whereas if you've got all of your leaders on the same page about what needs to be done in terms of things like migration, in terms of things like modernization, then they can be in lockstep, they're incentivized to be in lockstep with each other about exactly what needs to be done. And those um, having those incentives is important because, you know, everyone works on an incentive and as long as your incentives are incentives are aligned with your strategic goals you're going to have success people like to um yeah i guess you've what got to have gets, the right incentives what do they say what gets measured gets managed yeah <laughs> that's true 
So yeah, making sure everyone is aligned with those KPIs, super, super important. Absolutely. Let's move along to security, shall we? Risk assessment. So Risk a, assessment. A, a, a good um, a question to ask your team, your leaders in your organisation is around um, what are the potential risks and security concerns associated with moving to the cloud? So uh, as, as, as we discussed in the intro, there's, you know, there's data breaches all the time. Uh, a lot of organisations and verticals have compliance requirements and uh, you want to minimise downtime as well. So, you know, discussing with your team strategies around mitigating these risks and ensuring data protection is critical and asking these questions can help sort of um, unlock, you know, areas that might need further work. So totally. So we, we can start with like the shared responsibility model. So all the cloud providers talk about shared responsibility all the time, but what actually yes. does it mean? What's yeah. shared what responsibility, Matt? Tell me what shared responsibility <laughs> is. Shared responsibility is the cloud provider looking after, you know, the layer that they provide you. So all the low level things in the environment and you have to look after everything that you deploy in that environment. So anything your organization deploys is responsible for managing. So it's, it's like, you know, a two-layer to like a two-layer cake. The bottom layer, the cloud provider is responsible for all the networking and, and hardware. And then the, t and the top layer is, is your, your part. So um, it, it gets a little bit more complicated in that um, around if you're using higher-level services, there's less that you have to look after. Sometimes if you're using serverless, all you have to look after is the code you deploy. Mm -hmm. Everything else is patched for you. So uh, the higher-level services you use, the less you have to look after. And that, that shared responsibility becomes less and less as you go further up, further up the stack, which I don't think a lot of people uh, are aware, aware of um, necessarily because a lot of people stop at the, the EC2, you know, the... the operating system level but but around using you know platform as a service and mm. serverless and all those sorts of things um, takes a whole lot of that responsibility away from you and how is that different to on-prem Matt like what what is the shift that we need to make when we think about our security as an organization that has all of our infrastructure on-prem, all of our IT infrastructure on-premise as opposed to in the cloud? Like, how do we have to think differently? So on the on-premise, you have to, you'll have to look after the, um, every layer, including the, um, all the networking devices, all the hyper hypervisors, you know, the, in your VMware, all your VMware servers, you've got to make sure they're all patched. You've got to cable everything. You've got to um, look after your data center, right? You have data center people or you might have outsourced your data center either way, right? Um, all those sorts of things you have teams looking after. But once you move into the cloud, those things go away. A lot of those things go away. And from a security perspective, you just have to worry about patching the things you deploy effectively. That's, that's kind of the way to think about it. Anything you deploy, you have to look after. Um, encryption is super important. So uh, there's two t there's two levels of encryption, right? There's the encryption uh, around 
the data that's stored on the server, for example. So there's, I guess, encrypting the hard disk, that's one level, but then encrypting the data in the database or encrypting files on the file system is another layer. Um, so you've got to think about, and not everyone thinks about that. I think it's, mm. you know, you put some data on S3, it's got an encryption key, it's encrypted. Well, yes, but if, you, if anyone who logs into that environment has that key, they can actually um, potentially look at that data. So making sure that only the right people with the keys can unlock that data and look at it, that's, that's also important. Um, not just a matter of having it encrypted, but making sure the right, only the right people. Lowest level of access. Yeah. Exactly right. Uh, least privilege access is is really important for everything, but especially around uh, data encryption and also especially when it's um, PII data. I mean, a lot of the data breaches these days would be non-event if all this data was encrypted. But apparently, not everyone is Not speaking that. about any in particular. <laughs> No, not not, not going to speak about anything, but everyone knows who we're talking about. <laughs> There's also, uh, so shifting left, so everyone, oh, maybe you haven't heard the term shifting left. What's shifting left, Matt? Tell me. <laughs> I'll explain what shifting left is. So that's effectively building security in at the very first step of deploying your application. So shifting left means... I'm as far left as possible when I'm developing my app and I'm building in my security as I build it and taking advantage of, of my platform team who have built security in, in my deployment mechanisms so I don't have to worry too much about it. All I have to worry about, again, certain levels are taken care of for me, but I have to worry about, um, you know, making sure that I've set up least privilege for my application um, from a user perspective and a network perspective only the things that be able to talk to my system should be able to talk to it, you know, and making sure I encrypt my data. So, that, you know, um, making sure that all those guardrails and all those compliance and all those standards that, that your organisation uses um, are covered when you deploy your code. So asking your teams about shifting left, super important. Are you, you waiting till the end to get security added in? Mm. Well, usually that'll, that's, that's, the wrong answer if, if you're getting that sort of an answer because it's brushed if it's at the end and it's not built into your process and it means if you have to redeploy it you have to redo that whole process again and if you get a checklist that you've got to tick every time that's not agile and it's not easily repeatable so. i think as well as that like uh, when it comes to security I do think there's an element of like making it visible as well for our organizations and our teams. Cause obviously there's like, you know, and, and when we talk about security, there's a range of different things that come up like physical security of our offices or whatever it might be. But I think making sure that we have that all, all types of security really visible to our teams um, and, and, you know, different at various levels, like cust a customized approach. One thing that I, um, I work, one organization I worked with a few years ago, they actually 
implemented a course for all of their large organizations. They implemented a course for all of their, and it was like an hour long workshop for all of their teams to talk about security for specifically for executive assistants. Um, and it was just so well delivered. And I think that sort of stuff is a great way to really reinforce the requirement, not only to our IT teams, but also to the whole organization to be thinking as we go about our work day to day, how are we implementing security as job zero? And especially as, you know, as technology progresses and we talk about the move to cloud as uh, the change from a tradi more traditional IT operations to a product development team or a product development pipeline, how do we make sure that all those people that are involved, whether it be, you know, like a product manager roles or the SME of a particular area, how are they helping to reinforce that culture of security as job zero especially as i as development moves you know potentially in the next few years development moves outside of it operations um, and then we have a big challenge so how are we putting in place the right processes to make sure that we have security from you know day one as a foundation and the last piece around security i'll say is make Asking the question around your firewalls and your system, you know, your inspection capability, making sure that they are automated and there's no manual processes to get all that done. There's no excuse. These days, any of those uh, firewalls that you deploy have full automation. Um, there's no excuse for not taking advantage of that and having a, a lean process for people to get rules in um, and, and get get that access out because a lot of that slows down the pace of the value that the business gets from cloud um, if those have manual processes. You can talk about costs, um, questions to ask your team around how we can optimise costs in the cloud. Uh, there's, there's lots of different um, uh, things that we can do around costs. So cost monitoring and budgeting and forecasting strategies um, are, are key areas in, in this, this, this sort of space. Um, budget, budget alarms, uh, all cloud providers pretty much provide a way of doing budget alarms, making sure they're in place stops any um, surprises and people get surprises sometimes when they're using cloud, especially- And making sure cloud. they're going to the right people, Matt. <laughs> Oh, yeah, you've got to have the alarm going. Making to the right sure person. they're not going to someone that's on, you know, extended personal leave because that's not helpful. Um, that's right. Just be checking these things, make sure there's like a reasonable spread of people being alerted if something's going over budget. And, a, and as most alarms are, don't have it too low where everyone ignores it every time they see it. So it's got to be a realistic number, otherwise it'll probably go to the bin. Yeah, well, this is true as well. We don't want to like oversensitize people to it. Uh, like, sorry, we don't want to desensitize people to that those sort of triggers. Um, so that's that's really important as well. Probably something to visit in you know quarterly finance reviews is yeah. are those budgets at the right level? Because if you're going over them every month, then I think you're going to find that they're not really having any impact. Yeah. Um, asking your teams if they can break down your cloud spend by business stream or workload. Um, 
that's one of the benefits of being able to be in cloud, right? It's being able to have that visibility and where you're spending your operational budgets on, you know, which part of the business. I think that's pretty powerful and I think a lot of CFOs, um, when they realise they can do this, um, gives them a lot of insight on where they're spending their money and maybe where they're going to be investing their money as well. Yeah, and I think it's important to have like a plan to get to this point where you are using a chargeback model to hold everyone accountable so everyone's just not pointing the finger at IT. Um, otherwise, yeah, that, that's you're, I think you're going to struggle to keep a handle on costs for something that should be cost effective if you're not holding the right pe- people accountable for those costs. And then, I mean... From a leadership perspective, if we're using technology as our key delivery arm, which it, it should be for, for most executives, right, we need to understand how much it costs. And that might involve an element of upskilling and learning as well. Yeah, sometimes people use, sometimes organisations start with showback because um, it's yes. a whole new world. Yes, it but, is. But pivoting to chargeback is something that, comes with a bit of maturity if you if you're not doing chargeback today but it is something that we highly recommend that you do yeah show back at a minimum and i think it's okay to also like like i know i know we were there was an article we were reading a couple of weeks ago matt about lack of transparency (laughs) in terms of cloud spend and like non-it executives expressing that they just weren't able to get the visibility and I think there's a couple of things there. I think, A, we need to make it acceptable that, you know, it does take time to work through these things to, to make sure that we do have the right mechanisms in place and we are, you know, tagging all the different assets co- correctly. And I know that can be challenging given that some assets are shared between different parts of the business, right? So that there are these considerations as well. And it does take time to tangle get you know to untangle all of this at a at a like executive level but i think as leaders as executive leaders we need to be okay with being like okay we don't necessarily have the answers to this right now but this is what we do know and this is what we're working towards i.e either you know like a really clear and concise show back or you know ideally charge back for everything um but i think we need to make it acceptable that there are things that we are working through that we may not we may not have a handle on just yet, but it's important that we have a level of transparency to know that we don't know and it's something that we need to work through. Um, and then also I do think that finance and executives collectively, if, if there are things that you're going to be charged for, which I think for, you know, from what most of our listeners would, would be yes, then understanding, you know, cloud fundamentals at a minimum, I think is really important. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and your, your tech teams um, have a cloud, the way they build their apps is directly proportional to that cost. So there's, there's, there's expensive ways to build apps and there's cheaper ways to build apps. Your teams need to know the difference. And you, usually uh, using the higher level abstracted services make this sort of thing cheaper in general, not always, but as a first port of call. And it's also less effort to use those high level platform services. So asking your teams, are they building things the right way? Um, if 
you see costs that look look out of the ordinary, then you know um, that that's a good question to ask. And I think as well as that, you know, don't be afraid to reach out to your cloud provider because for the most part, your organ your organization will have an allocated person that can help you with these things if you do need assistance. Um, and a lot of organizations are new to this. So if you do need to reach out to your, you know, AWS account team or your GCP or Azure, it, you know, you're not alone. <laughs> yeah, and, and This is like a, a lot of the things they do on a day-to-day basis is helping companies to manage cost. Yeah, and if you're a small organization and you have an accident, they, they are always more than willing. <laughs> I'll speak on their behalf because I know they're more than willing to help. <laughs> <laughs> help with an accident, accident and, clean, and, and, and clean it up um, and you know as long as you don't do it again um, skills Georgia are skills important well, I think I think we, we've we've the fact that every we've gone over we've gone through three different questions and we've spoken about skills in every single one of them so oh, <laughs> I, think they, I, I think they are <laughs> Yes, I think so. I guess the, the main thing around skills is it covers every facet of your journey to cloud. Uh, and having the key thing that is, is sometimes missed is that your exec, all your leadership and all your management teams should be trained in the cloud fundamentals. All cloud providers provide options. Uh, there's Azure fundamentals on the Microsoft side. There's cloud practitioner on the AWS side. I don't know what the GCP one is, but I'm sure they've got something. Um, which even the those fundamentals. Even the one below actual certification, Matt, I think is really valuable. Um, like especially for you know non-technical teams um, where we might have like potential like product leaders having and just having an understanding of how cloud works because again and like i've seen this multiple times or many many times is you know organizations and teams trying to use like design thinking for example to come up with better solutions to service their customers which is great and i think design thinking is an amazing tool however if the individuals do not understand how technology can be utilized, if they don't have a basic understanding of things like machine learning, artificial intelligence, then they really have no way of applying it. And mm, therefore, it kind of makes that design thinking process a bit futile because it's like, oh, well, you know, we can't really we can't really come up with effective solutions using technology because we actually don't really understand how the technology works. Um, and really, you know, it's one thing to be asking your tech team to come up with solutions um and and sometimes they come up with amazing solutions right but it is the it is best if those solutions can come from the people that are subject matters in the areas of the customers that they are serving whether it's internally or externally yeah that's for sure um yeah having having that understanding definitely will help uh, building building this thinking about what they actually want to build and and getting and asking the right questions to be able yes. to make sure the right thing is, 
is designed a bit, so. I do think having at a minimum as organizations move towards migration like especially when they're you know getting into their migration journey getting really stuck into the bulk of it is getting a percentage aiming to have a percentage of your entire organization having gone through cloud fundamentals um, just because it's going to help inspire that journey. Um, again, if they don't understand how the technology works, then it's really difficult for people to come up with innovative solutions to help serve your customers better. Yep. And, and a lot of organizations gamify it as well. So, you know, especially the technical teams, um, they like a, they like a bit of uh, competition between themselves. So a lot of people like to uh, get multiple certs, and then the cloud providers, a lot of the time, they'll help you with merch um, and T-shirts. You can have, you know, co-branded T-shirts, all those sorts of things. Um, cloud providers love having customers uh, getting trained in, in their technology because they know it'll get used a hell of a lot more efficient, efficiently. Yeah, with, like with where there's knowledge. opportunities for immersion days or whatever it might be for your technical teams and for your um, leaders, I think absolutely take the opportunity because it's just so valuable. Um, and obviously for the most part, for my, as per my understanding, most of that stuff is free. So it's just an amazing value add to your organization. Yeah, for sure. Last item is operational excellence. And I'd say it's one of the also, you know, they're all important, but this is probably one of the most important. Um, the questions you need to ask, you know, how will our operation uh, operational processes need to change as we adapt to a cloud operating model? Um, you've got to consider the things like, you know, automation, DevOps practices, continuous integration and continuous deployment. So there's a lot of words there. Um, continuous integration is about making sure your um, applications are always committed to a code repo somewhere. It's like a backup, you know. Your teams need to commit that somewhere. Um, and then continuous deployment is about automating your deployments effectively. That's all it is. So things that you might not have done previously uh, become super, super easy in, in the cloud world. Um, the data center did not provide an easy way to consistently do that across your environment. You know, for a dev environment, it was not unusual, you know, to wait months for, uh, I've had customers back in, you know, many years ago who waited months for hardware to be delivered. Stacked, it's unreal. <laughs> racked, um, cabled. And it's such a crazy thought now that we would have to wait for that sort of stuff. You had to fill out, I remember you had to fill out spreadsheets of, you know, where this cable needs to go to this, you know. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so you had actually you had teams for a large customer that I had to deal with that had to fill out these spreadsheets and that was their job. Like they did that every day, you know. Cable I don't think we need here. those people anymore. <laughs> no. <laughs> a lot of that is taken care of. So that's the shared responsibility. Your cloud provider has taken that away from you so you don't have to fill out those spreadsheets. There's still spreadsheets for other things, I'm sure, but not for, uh, you know, cable matrixes and things like that. <laughs> um, the, yeah, mature, uh, I guess asking questions about your release times, right? So 
how quickly when your business demands a change to your application can it get deployed in, in production are we talking you know uh, months like it used to be uh you know or is it weeks or is it days or is it hours and sometimes a lot of organizations deploy you know multiple times an hour so you know within minutes wow. so it's it's a maturity curve right absolutely um, i think it's a good indicator for like how mature we are as an organization when it comes to using cloud and the key drivers behind those timelines like what is what is if we if we're saying that things are going to take weeks what are the key dependencies that are causing our deployments to take weeks breaking that down is even if you have to take the teams through a workshop to figure out what's taking so long you've got to find those those large times and it might just be a simple matter of, of adding in some you know some basic devops practices to automate some tasks or you know you might have you might still have some siloed teams who don't actually have a way to communicate um, who need meetings to communicate with each other automate those interactions somehow smash the teams together <laughs> sometimes sometimes it's a matter of smashing the teams together just to make sure they talk put them in the same room and figure out how they can optimize those processes so team interaction is super super important around operational excellence and one that i see all the time is lengthy architecture approvals for new services so a lot of the time organizations took you know big long checklists to introduce new technologies design, into an organizations yeah. um, cloud you know you might do that once via cloud provider but you shouldn't be doing it for every service that needs to be onboarded you have you should have a um, you you have a security governance process poss possibly mm. for for yes. the services but uh, you don't need you know formal approval processes to be able to um, onboard different parts of just a single cloud provider. That doesn't make any sense. And, and the design documents for when you're deploying applications, they shouldn't be um, super long or complex, you know, 50, 60 page documents anymore because a lot of the things that used to be in those documents, you, you don't really need to do anymore. So I think organisations sometimes have a, hard hard they find it hard to have a mental shift between the way they used to do things and the way they can do things now so smaller just-in-time designs are a lot more important um, a lot more efficient to be able to actually get things done because even if you make the wrong decision sometimes you can go back and the aws have a term for that one day one way door versus two way door so a one way door is a decision you have to think about you know a lot because it's really hard to reverse two way door decisions well it means that you can go one way and if it doesn't work you can go back and try another way so when when your teams are deploying apps make sure that they're thinking about um what sorts of are they spending too long on two way door decisions um, spend, uh, you know, 
get them to just really think about those things and make sure that they're spending time on the right right sorts of things and, and have a bias for action among your teams to get things built and deployed. And I think as well as that, like when we talk about, you know, people change, like in relation, when we talk about going from an old way of working or like a on-prem, on-prem, I call it an on-prem way of thinking versus a cloud way of thinking. Um, I do think that, you know, giving your people like a clear view of the changes that you are expecting to make as an organization is really important so they can make some decisions for themselves. Um, and, you know, ideally for larger organizations where there's the opportunity to help get people skilled in cloud and obviously, you know, bring in skills to get help you get started, whether it's a partner or hiring externally or whatever that might be. Um, I think it's important to try our best to support people to get skilled if they want to. Um, and if they don't, well, you know, obviously there's a, from an on-prem perspective, generally there's going to be a kind of end of the line for people. Um, so I think it's important to be clear and transparent about that as well, but to give people support to make the changes that you want to make as an organization is really critical. Otherwise you're just going to face a lot of resistance. Yeah, that's right. And then nothing happens overnight, right? So, um, it's a, it's a, it's a long, longish process and, um, people have time to sort of make their decisions and you need to also as a leader in your organization be clear on where the organization's going and make sure you provide the support to your teams to 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 partake in that journey or not as the case may be absolutely so we've talked a whole about a whole lot of stuff there georgia five different sort of areas to ask questions on what do you think is um in closing, what do you think is most important, do you think, from your perspective? I think a lot of a lot of it is about being curious as leaders as we work with our teams. Like, you know, how, how else can we help them to make the transition as seamlessly as possible and, and to get the most out of it? Um, like and sometimes that means diving into the details like you know when we talk about priorities well sometimes we might have to do things like disagree and commit um and just being able to really you know lead by example in that way i think is really important and uh, asking so my my key takeaway is the whole premise of this uh, episode is mindset mindset and asking questions of your leaders um it's about showing interest mm. in what everyone's doing. And being and invested, sort of, right? Yeah, being invested in the outcomes and not, it's not about catching people out. It's about no. being there, being present. Um, it's about making everyone think, are we getting our best value out of this? And how can we improve and what are we missing out on? So absolutely, they're, they're the outcomes that, that I think you know, people should take away from this. We've just sort of skimmed the surface on a whole bunch of important areas, um, but um, having, yeah, asking these questions and educating yourself and making sure your teams are educated, uh, you know, super, super important, especially when you need to cloud. It's a long journey, um, but 
show an interest is probably my summary. Absolutely. So that's the end. Um, how can people contact us, Georgia? Do you remember Two the ways. email address? Yes, feedback at cloud-dialogues.com. That will come directly to us. Um, alternatively, obviously hit up our website, cloud-dialogues.com, and you can go through to the Google Sheet. As always, we love to hear your ideas about potential sessions. Um, I know we've had a bunch of requests for to talk about generative AI. Um, so... That might be coming soon. <laughs> it might be coming soon. <laughs> um, but yeah, as always, we love to hear your ideas. Um, please tell us what you want to hear about. Hopefully it's useful. Thanks, Georgia. Uh, I'll see you in a fortnight and I'll see you all in a fortnight. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Bye. Thanks. Bye.